a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Renthal on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,500 podcasts delivered with over 15 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. As always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Eddie Warren. Wow, this one came out of nowhere. I'm really stoked to have talked to Eddie, and he's been a guy on my list of people to talk to for a long time. I didn't know what happened to him. You can hear me talk to him here. As a fan growing up and following the sport, he just disappeared after two pretty solid years and a terrific amateur career. Just one of those guys that got swallowed up and then we never heard from him again. So I'm really stoked to have been in touch with Eddie and you'll hear how we got in touch uh, in this podcast in a little bit. So stoked to have Eddie on the show. Thank you, Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Zach Osborne, Justin Brayton, uh, Justin Bogle, Blake Baggett, just some of the guys wearing Fly Racing. And uh, 2020 and a half Kinetic Mesh launched at Daytona. I've got a set of it, and I absolutely love it. So please check it out. For more information on the folks at Fly Racing, go to their website, flyracing.com. they got a whole bunch of mountain bike stuff as well. It's got some of their jerseys. I rode in one today, and, uh, yeah, it's lightweight. It's ventilated, and uh, it doesn't. I don't have that farmer tan on my, on my arm, even with, this, with the sunblock, because it's a full-length jersey. So thanks to Fly Racing. Check them out, please, uh, for more information on whatever it is you desire for your biker body. Thanks to Maxis as well, mountain bike tires. Um, dirt bike tires as well, MXSTs out now, developed by Jeremy McGrath, used by A-Ray. I've got a set mounted on my YZ450 right now. And, uh, yeah, light truck tires, uh, UTVs, dirt bikes, bicycles. Maxxis is what you want to think of when you think of rubber. Uh, thanks to those guys. Renthal.com, hashtag we build champions, hashtag grab life by the bars. A fraction of a second, a few grams, a couple of millimeters. It all counts. Welcome to the winning world of Renthal from the Twin Wall to the Fat Bar, to the Fat Bar 36, and they still make the good old 7-8 handlebar that won all those championships with RJ back in the day. Renthal.com for more information on there. Simply uh, an incredible company producing some really cool things over the years, and they've got so many championships over here in America and abroad. It's ridiculous. Renthal.com, and I still think they need to make those cloth uh, bar pads at some point, so I'll get on those guys for that. Uh, Thanks to Renthal for coming on board. Thanks to you people for listening. Can't wait for you guys to hear the Eddie Warren podcast and it is coming up right away. Thanks for listening. And now, as I said in my intro, uh, one of the podcasts that I've been really looking forward to over the years, tracking this man down and uh, getting him on the line from Australia. Uh, thank you, Fly Racing, Maxis and Rental for coming on board this show all the way from Australia. National winner, championship supercross rider, uh, for- former factory Kawasaki rider, Eddie Warren. Eddie, what's going on? Thank you for doing this. Well, thanks, Steve, for having me on your show, starters. Um, I never really expected to do something like this 
this far down the track in my life, but uh, <laughs> nah, it's ni- nice to be thought of. <laughs> it's Listen, I'm, I told you before when we touched base, I- I've had more people ask me, where is Eddie Warren? What happened uh, than almost any other rider uh, over the years? Because uh, people remember you. You were a Team Green kid. I mean, you were... You know, James Stewart, Michael Lessie before they were, you know, multi-time amateur championship, and you had a nice pro career, and then you disappeared. Uh, I did have a couple of people <laughs> over the years hit me up, a couple of Aussies, and they were friends of your wife or friends of a friend or friend of your uh, wife's sister or whatever, and they yeah. said, they said, I'll get Eddie, I'll, I'll get Eddie, I'll get Eddie, and then nothing would happen, Eddie. <laughs> now, um... Oh yeah, like like you said, I had a I had a a great career as a rider, and you know, right from amateurs right through to the pro thing, and then then um, when I lost my ride there with Kawasaki, I, uh, Jeff Lee's kid got me over to do a couple of races here in Australia, and mm-hmm. I ended up coming over and doing a season here, and then Japan called, so I went over there for a few years, and and then after that, I might have just kind of. Yeah. Going into the normal realms of life, I guess you call it, and quite enjoy it, to be quite honest. <laughs> what, uh, what, what, what appealed to you about Australia so much that you just wanted to stay there? What, what did you love? Did you meet your wife there or something, or what happened? Oh, I just like the lifestyle here. Yeah. It, um, uh, yeah, the people here are fantastic. Um, everyone's very laid back, easy going. Um, and, and it's not a lot different than than America, really. The mm-hmm. food's very similar, and you know, it's 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 not like going to Japan, for example. Like to live there is hard work, but but here is very easy to just kind of slip into things. And never expected to stay here originally. Uh, I only come to do a few races and yeah. stuff. But one thing led to another, mate. And I said, then I got the ride in Japan. That was easy to fly back and forth. And by that time, sure. I'd bought a house and. I was pretty settled down, so I'm still here. Uh, that's funny. Do you, what do you do now for a living? What are you been doing? I, I work with uh, the recycling industry. Okay. I have done for about 15 years. When I finished racing, I, I worked on the railway for about 10 years. Okay. And then from there, I kind of a long story. Right? Uh, my wife, we had a couple of kids together. Anyway, she had an aneurysm and she died. Oh. And I, I was living down in Sydney at the time. And uh, it was pretty busy, and I was having a hard time with looking after the kids and mm-hmm. things like that. And they were all young. Anyway, I had a, a friend who lived up in the country. Um, anyway, he got me onto this job, and so I moved up here where I could kind of concentrate on the, the kids a lot more and all that. And, um, yeah, I've been doing that for about 15 years. So I, I, I get a, a machine that's basically been painted, and I mm-hmm. put all the electronics and hydraulics in it and things uh Okay. When I say recycling equipment, it's mainly um, uh, like cardboard presses, sure. cardboard balers. Yep. You know, so yep. you yep. throw the cardboard yeah, yeah. in and it turns it into a big cube and, and all that. So, um, yeah, I've been doing that for a long time and oh. love it. Nice. Do you still follow racing? Are you still into it? Do you know what's going on or either down there or up up back in America? I I, I go to probably one or two races a year here. Okay. Um, there was a couple of kids in this town that I live in. They um, actually Jay, you know Jay Wilson. He was just yes. in the state. Yeah, I do know Jay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I know them really, really well. When I moved to this town, Glen Innes, they lived here, so I got to be really good friends with them um, through the racing. Even though I was finished racing, they mm-hmm. they knew who I was, and I I gave them a bit of help for a while. And um, so I go and watch him a couple of times a year, and you know, and I watch a couple of Supercrosses there. I, I watched the first few rounds this year in the states. Um, uh huh. Um, so, but not a lot. I'm, I don't really have much interest, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you do you ride at all? When's the last time you rode? 
I ride pretty much every day. Okay. We, um, we've got a little farm. We've got a, we do a bit with cattle and sheep and stuff. So uh-huh. I've got a TTR 125 that I poke around on, nice. you know, mustering the cattle or sheep or whatever. And So, yeah, I'm on a bike most days. Not every day, but yeah. uh, quite a bit. And that's enough for me, Steve. I, right. I don't need any more than that. <laughs> no doubt. It's funny. I did, a, I did one of these with Bader Manet a few months back. And Bader yeah. was, was like you, you know, same kid, Team Green kid. And he, yep. he got invited to Italy for a weekend race and then literally never went back home just stayed there yeah, got, right. you know yeah. got a, got some rides for supercrosses got a gp ride never went back home and still lives okay. there you know so wow yeah similar you never know how light, where life's going to take you right no no you don't no uh no. uh interesting to 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 hear your story for sure and condolences on your wife passing away that's yeah it's a really tough time for sure. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was a. I won't lie. It was. It was a tough. Oh, you know, time to, to get through and all that. But, I. Uh, you know, not trying to make it sound less than what it was, but it just you got to get on with it. And yeah. I was out a couple of kids that, that needed me to, you know, to step up. So. Sure, sure. And that was the main thing. And, and then when I got here, I met a, another great um, lady, uh, Tony, who you've been in contact with through emails and yeah. stuff. And. Um, her eldest daughter and, and my eldest daughter, they became really good friends at school, and they're the ones that actually got us together in the end. So. Oh, wow, okay. And, and she had four girls, yep. so there was, there was six girls in total. Right, right. And, um, you know, they're, they're all grown up now. We've, we raised them, and, uh, yep. and not, not all of our credit, but they've turned out to be just absolutely <laughs> fantastic kids. And oh, good. All got good jobs, and, you know, they're, they're, they're carving up a good pass for themselves, which is fantastic. So. Uh, and all your brothers, sisters, family, all back in Michigan still? You keep in touch with all still, of them? Still still yeah. back in, in the States, back in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I talk to them quite uh, Oh, good. Uh, probably every couple of months, I suppose, yeah, roughly. Yeah. Right. Uh, I only spoke to my sister this morning. She um, she was down in uh, Florida. Her, her and her husband were down in Florida for the winter, and they just got home. So I called to see how, how they were doing. And I talked to my dad a couple of weeks ago, that sort of stuff. So. Right. Yeah, so we we all stay in contact. Um, you know, I obviously don't get to see him, and I guess if if I have any regret about moving over here, I mm-hmm. suppose that's one of them. But at the end of the day, I don't know if I'd really change anything if I could. I, I'm pretty satisfied with the way things have turned out. So yeah. you, <laughs> you know, you hit me up out of the blue on my contact form on my website because uh, you saw something with Ronnie Tishner, who's a buddy of mine through Red Dog for, through Ferry back in the day, and. And uh, I don't talk to Ronnie that much, but here and there. And I'm, you were looking for a phone number, and I'm guessing you met him in Japan, or, or you raced against him, of course, the Suzuki Hirokawa. But you really raced, hung out with him in Japan. I'm guessing. Well, Ron and I go back a lot further than that. See, he was a Team Green kid as well, yeah. and um, we're about five years apart. I'm, I'll be 55 in November, and I think Ron's just turned 50. But way back when, man, I, he was still on an 80, and I, I was on a one. 125 by then but he actually came to stay oh okay with with me in in michigan and he rode at baja acres for a week and this was before we were going to loretta lynn's yeah um so our friendship yeah goes back a long way and then then of course he came in obviously we raced the nationals and then he come to japan so um yeah our our friendship goes back you know how cool is that before competing times (laughs) as such you know and yeah and how all this came about was Tony, my wife. She um, she was on that We Went Fast site. Yeah. Um, somehow she got on it through someone else. She kind of loves all that stuff. Wants to know. Yeah, and you're just what like, yeah, whatever, to. whatever. And she's yeah, like, and she... <laughs> I, I, I have no social media platforms at all. I don't I don't right. deal with any of that stuff. And 
she's going through all these photos all the time. She's going, oh, do you know this guy? I'm going, yeah, I know him. Yeah. And anyway, she come across a photo of Ronnie, and she said, oh, do you know that guy? I said, oh, I said, I know him really well. Yeah. And and I said to her, I said, I'd really like to get in contact. And I'd seen that you'd done a podcast, and so I first contacted you. And then, yeah, yeah so that, oh, good. that's how all that happened. I finally I'm glad tra- it did. I'm, gl- I'm glad this come about, actually. I finally so. tracked you down. Uh, you, <laughs> Eddie, you don't even know, like, the hilarious thing. A, a generic email comes in. Hey, this is Eddie Warren. Do you have Ron Tischner's phone number? I'm just like, oh, my God. That's <laughs> 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 so random. Uh, it's pretty random. Yeah, yeah I totally. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm glad you talked to RT, and uh, hopefully, you know, yeah, everything's going well with him. As, as good as they can be, of course, he crashed on a stupid dirt bike, as he told me. So um, yeah, you know. it, it was awesome talking to him. Yeah, yeah. He, um, yeah, we shared a shared a few, a lot of memories. Actually, like I said going all the way back when he he come to stay with us. Yeah. And, um, and talked about his dad and so his dad was his dad's an awesome dude. You know, like, sure. Uh, I got to know him pretty well over the years. Yeah, and stay um, away from the brownies. Yeah, was, stay away from the brownies. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> or the peaches. Yeah. Remember the peaches? Yeah. Yeah, him, and, him and Tip, I think it was, used to, yeah. used to do those peaches in moonshine. Uh, and, I know. <laughs> stay away. I, I, I never had any of them because I was fairly young and racing at right. the time, but I, I heard a lot about them. So. I never either, <laughs> but I remember Ferry telling me, hey, if Big Ron offers you anything, don't take it, dude, because you got to work on my bike. you got to work on my bike today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's it. <laughs> uh, good times. Um, so I'm interested. Like, you had – a fantastic amateur career, of course, and became a factory Kawasaki rider. Early yep. on, uh, let's go back in the time machine a little bit. Uh, early on, when you're racing and growing up in Michigan, I mean, this is before Jeff Stanton. This is, bef- you know, you're kind of the guy. Uh, I guess Bigelow Brothers were before you. Um, are you always, are you always really fast, Eddie? And are you always thinking, I want to be a professional motocross racer? Um, I, probably not. I. I, I I guess it's like everything. Does anyone ever get into something and think they're going to, you know, mm-hmm. make money and, and do it for a living? I I don't think so. We got into racing because it was fun and, you know, we liked the people that we hung around with and all that. But I guess in saying that, uh, it didn't take long to realize that, you know, we probably were were reasonably quick at it. Yeah. You know, we started winning some races. And, um, and I guess by the time I got to when I was about 12 or 13, mm-hmm. when we went, we went to High Point, done our first national on an eighty when I was eleven. The the, am, the amateur nationals down there. Yep. And um, and my, we just went down there just to be part of the nationals, never having any intention of doing well. We didn't, you know, we'd never raced out of Michigan hardly. Yeah. Anyway, we went down and won, you know. And, we, <laughs> and I guess we thought, oh, in saying that, that wasn't with all the fast dudes from the West Coast at the time. It yeah. was yeah. that was back in the day where it was pretty much. You know, probably the east side of the country, I guess you'd say. So mm-hmm. there weren't guys like Ron Lachine there, and you know, maybe those guys if they were racing at the time. Um, but it, but nevertheless, it was a national, and it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a pretty big achievement as, a, as an eleven-year-old. Um, did you? I, and I guess things just kind of went from there, I suppose. Did yeah. you grow up with a track in your backyard? Did your dad race? Like, how did you ride every day after school? Because people got to remember, like. Back when you did it, like you said, you didn't go to Florida for the winter back then and all that early on. Like you were stuck in a snow, snow-filled state half the year. You know, my my career started from the time I was born because my dad he worked for Harley Davidson um, oh, okay. as a factory mechanic for a guy named Bart Markle. Um, he was a flat tracker. Ah, yes, and, yes um, I heard so, about this. So he's, yeah. he's, he spent a lot of years doing that, and um, and then he worked at a Harley. The Davidson shop for a long time, and he raced and rode and done all that sort of stuff. And then, then um, when I was quite young, I 
think even before I started riding or not long before he got hooked up with Mike Hartwig. Oh yeah. Some yeah. people some yeah. people remember that dude. Yeah. And um it was in just incredibly fast. Um so he, he was helping Mike along the way cuz Mike was flat tracking at the time and but motocross I think it was called Scrambles at the time was just starting to kind of work its way in. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, he spent a lot of time with Mike and helped him when he was on Yamaha as a factory rider and uh yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody. There. Yeah, Davy Davy Coombs told me your dad was doing your motors, and they were unbelievably fast. Your dad totally knew what he was doing, and you know from his flat tracking days. And you always had really fast bikes your whole time. Your dad yeah. was your dad was an ace tuner. I had I had bikes that were always ran well mm-hmm. and handled well and didn't break. Like, yeah, yeah, that was one thing that <laughs> that made made my career very. I don't know if you'd call it easy, but right. You know, we won a lot of races because we finished a lot of races and that sort of thing, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I, I don't know. Are you? I guess I'm a bit biased because he's my dad. But yeah. he, he, I think if you talk to anyone, they'll say he's probably one of the best mechanics that you know ever held onto a wrench. No, so, I mean Davy. Davy uh, just told me that he was around then, yeah. you know, and he told me the yeah. same thing. Your dad was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah he was good. He's, he was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, are you with? Are you a little bit older than Keith Bowen? You're not growing up racing him in Michigan, right, Bowen? He's a little bit. Well, we after we, you? we did. I think Keith was a little bit late getting started, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I was around the scene from kind of the time I was about six or seven years old. Yep. Um, and Keith come a little bit later, but he might still be a couple years younger than me. I'm not. Sh- I can't remember exactly yep. what Keith's age is, but they were similar in age within a year or two. I'm thinking. So yeah. Um, so when but, does uh, yeah. when does Kawasaki start like saying, "Hey, you know, like you're you're winning at Loretta's, you're winning Ponca." Um, are, is Kawasaki eyeing you up, giving you bikes and parts, and more and more support every year, and kind of paving a way for you to go pro? Well, we we started on an MR50, uh-huh. like maybe a lot of that was kind of the first real motorcycle for kids, I suppose. Um, then from there we went to an XR75, then we went to RM80s. And then in 79, Kawasaki in the States brought out the, the first KX80. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the first real motorcycle, small motorcycle, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, the RM80s were all right. Yeah. So anyway, we, we bought one of them, or my dad did, of course. And we started riding that, and we got a little bit of attention from the local Kawasaki distributor in Grand Rapids. And they started giving us a few parts, and then the next year they gave us a bike, and and we were winning a lot of stuff in Michigan. We hadn't we hadn't actually gone out to Ponca or done any of that sort of stuff mm-hmm. at that time. We were just doing East Coast stuff. Yep. Anyway, um, we were winning most of the stuff on the East Coast, and um, yeah, Team Green, I guess, was kind of getting going just by then. Started, and they, yeah. They took yeah. a little bit of notice, and they wanted a guy back. Obviously, a lot of their efforts were 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 spent in, on the West Coast. Um, and they wanted someone back on the East Coast, and I guess I was that guy at the time, and it just kind of developed from there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you did you go to school the whole time? There was no homeschooling back then, right? There was none of that. Like the whole time. No, you no, were no. I went to yeah. school, and Kawasaki had a thing. If you're on the team green, you had to, you know, have a certain GPA and all that. Um, so now school school fit in with with the race, and I did miss a bit of bit of time, yeah. but uh, yeah. I, I I got through. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. So eighty four, you, uh, you you go to big bikes. You start running eighty two, eighty three, eighty four. You're on big bikes. You're winning. When do you uh, find out you're going to be on a factory team in eighty five? Well, I went uh, in eighty five. I I went uh, the pro am thing. Yep. And that's when they had the east coast. That was the first 
first year time for the East Coast yeah. West Coast Supercross thing and all that. And we'd done really, and I actually went and lived in Florida that year during the winter, and we went to the first Supercross at Atlanta. That was my first ever Supercross that I'd ever ridden at Atlanta that year. Yeah. And uh, we won there, and then we went to Daytona and won there, and yeah. things just kind of progressed. And, um, yeah, the, the ball got, it got going pretty quick. We had a, a really good year. I got to ride a couple of the Nationals, and I guess I did all right in Kawasaki. Said that uh, that I'd be part of their team for 86. Um yeah, you know, I, I don't know, Steve, whether I was fast enough or whether it was part of the Team Green thing and they wanted to, oh. what they do you wanted mean, to make it. What do you mean you don't know you're fast enough? You won the Supercross oh, title yeah. your first year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, mate. Anyway, I was, I was very fortunate. I got a ride. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so. And uh, what do you remember about Supercross? Like, what do you remember about being good at it right away? Did, how did, I mean, where did you practice to, to, to learn Supercross? How'd you? A lot of times guys just kind of rode out some outdoor jumps, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like as I said, I'd, I'd never actually been on a supercross yeah. track till till you know, eighty five, and um, I guess I guess if you're a good rider, it it should just yeah be kind of natural, I suppose. It's only mm-hmm. about timing, and you know, um, I, I don't know. It, it, I guess it came reasonably easy for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I liked it. Although I must say, the tracks back then were just absolutely insanely. They, difficult. Yeah, they um, were square edgy. They had the, there's no transitions. Uh, <laughs> you watch some videos. Injuries. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, people ask me about that from time to time. Like, because if we watch a a race on, I got some friends that like to watch the the American Supercross thing, yeah. and they saw oh, with the tracks like that when you there. I said, man, I said, you have no idea what they were like. <laughs> I, I said they had sections where people couldn't even get through them. You know, it was yeah. just just crazy stuff. But. Um, um, yeah, you know, all, I, all good. I, I remember being a kid, and the big thing was the showdown, the East-West showdown at L.A., and yeah, it, it was yeah. Brooks and and you and, and you know, everybody lining up, and <laughs> you, you got eight that night. I don't know what happened, but uh, it was a big deal. Like, it was like, oh, who's going to beat Eddie Warren or who's going to beat Brooks, you know, and, and it was a big head-to-head thing. Uh, you know, I'm not making any excuses, but I think those guys had started that Supercross thing a long time before I did. Right, I just, right. <laughs> uh, it took me a while to get going. I, I said, I, yeah. it, it took me a while to get my my rhythm in it. Um, I could get around all right, but now nah, those guys were they were pretty fast, no doubt about it. Is your dad the your mechanic the first year in '85? Who's your mechanic? Uh, well, no, um, he come to some of the races, yeah. but when I went out west, um, uh, Dave Miller. And oh yeah, yeah. Jerry and well, Jerry Campbell was. Man, I'm trying to remember. It was Jerry Campbell? He helped me a bit. Also, yeah, uh, Jerry was the West Coast Team Green guy. I know he hooked up with Chicken later, but yeah, uh, yeah. And then uh, Danny Betley. Yeah, I think he worked. Yeah, well, he helped me as well. So I had help from a few of those guys, and I said Dave Miller and all that. So when I come to the the mm-hmm. West Coast, those guys would, it would help me with bikes and you know. Spin, spin the wrenches and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was oh, I was very privileged, you know. So, so, 85, you were kind of pro-am, doing some amateur stuff and racing some pro stuff, kind of both in 85? Yeah. yeah. Still still had commitments to do right. uh, Ponca City and Loretta Lynn, yeah, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff, which which I did. And um, But then, yeah, I got to ride a few of the national. I think I did Hang, uh, no, um, High Point and some of the West Coast stuff. I don't, I don't know what I'd done. Maybe... Maybe six or eight through the year, wow. possibly. Dude, you got third at Washougal in 85. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, 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 I done all right for the first year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would yeah. say so. Do you still have the championship plaque somewhere? Do you still have it? The 125 Super Oh, being my dad's bond back yeah, in the yeah. state. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm not surprised. You don't seem the type to, you know, to hang a bunch of memorabilia around. 
So no, nah, mate. I, and even where I live now, I, 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 you wouldn't have any idea I ever raced a motorcycle in my life. Right, uh, right, just, right. Uh, I got some really cool helmets and stuff that are stashed away in boxes, and yeah. I, you know, I've got all that. And I don't even know why. I don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. My kids aren't really going to want it, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, I, uh, that, that was that was that life, and this is this life, you know. And that's kind of the way I look at it. So, so eighty six, <laughs> you full factory guy. Uh, Dogger yep. Dogger joins the team. Of course, Jeff Ward's there. Um, yep. Are you? Do you hang out with them at all? Are you intimidated by them? Do you? Do you? Does Dogger? Do you, do you just shake your head at Dogger sometimes? Like what? What's? How's that with those two guys? Oh no, mate! I, like you know, for all the things that went wrong along the way, that guy was just. You know, he was just, I don't know, a freak. You yeah, know? yeah. There's just no one faster, you know. And, you know, he he chose his path or whatever, but um, he'd done his own thing. Jeff right. and I hung out a little bit. You know, yeah, we went yeah. riding a little bit together and mm-hmm. done things. And um, all good guys. Like I said, Ronnie was a great guy. Yeah. You know, he was oh, friendly yeah. and yeah. He, he was a fantastic dude. Um, but, yeah, oh, definitely intimidated. Uh, you know, the other part of it was when you get a factory ride, all of a sudden in – and no one kind of understands this, but I'd been with my dad the whole time. He was my yep. coach, my mechanic for, you know, for whatever, 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, my, that, that umbilical cord's cut. And it, it was hard. Right? It, it took me, and I'm not sure I ever really got, got into it. They want to set your bike up different. You, they've got their own yeah. ideas of what, what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, and my dad had his ideas, which I think worked. And, right. And I'm a rider. I'm not a mechanic, apparently. <laughs> and so no one really listened to you, to be quite honest. They, I really struggled with all that. Um, I think it showed. I didn't really go that, that well till towards the end of the year. Um, yeah, and Tom, Tom Morgan was my mechanic that year. And we finally got things kind of working the the bike was fairly slow in the beginning, and mm-hmm. um, by the end of the year, we got it running pretty fast, and, you know, the results showed it. So, it, yeah. It's one of those things, too, and I've done so many of these podcasts with guys like Ronnie Tishner or Kehill or Holland. If you weren't on a Honda in a 125 class, you weren't on the fastest bike. The, the, no. they, were, they were great. Um, everything else was not as good as a Honda, even a factory that Kawasaki, and, and, you know. No, no rider wants to ever use that for an excuse, but that was that was the truth and that oh, was yeah. reality. You know, yeah. it, it, it was just simply the Hondas were just Dude, unbelievable. They, uh, yeah. they pick Mickey Diamond out from a 500 Husqvarna, and he becomes 125 <laughs> national champion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all credit to all yeah, credit yeah. to Mickey. Like he, oh, for he, sure. But he rode the thing, you know, and he done well. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's funny, like when you compare it to nowadays. Like, so you're, you know, one of the winningest amateur riders, and you step into a factory team. And they just, you know, you win 125 Supercross the first year, which is awesome. And then just the next year, you're riding 250 Supercross. Like, you know, yeah. there's no yeah. there's no hanging around. There's no building your confidence. Uh, you know, Bradshaw was That's the same way. Step. Yeah, just yep. here you go. Here's Glover, Ward, Johnson, everybody. <laughs> so, yep, yep. You, 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 know? you, either, you either do it or you don't. Then. Yeah. That's their attitude. If, if you've got what it takes, you'll you'll go on. If you don't, then see you later. Yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty brutal and pretty vicious, but um, you know that. You know that's what it's going to be like, and yeah. So the, yep. you, you did a uh, – you wore um, Answer uh, for, I think, both yep. years. Um, how did that yep. come about? How did you – how did the East Coast guy get a hold of Eddie Cole and, and get that going? A, uh, a a guy that may still work at Kawasaki, Mike Preston. Oh yeah, I think he's still I, I don't there. No, but he was yep. he was working there for R and D at the time. Mike I, was quite a good uh, rider in his day, and he uh, got hooked up with Kawasaki in the R and D department. And another guy named um, Jim Cook. 
Uh, don't know if you remember him, but no, anyway. No, I don't, no. Yeah. So yeah, Jim Cook and Mike, they were head of the R&D at Kawasaki. So in, in when I first got hooked up with Team Green, they used, I, I flew out there a couple of times to to do testing on on the next year's bikes and yep. things like that, and I got to know those guys. And anyway, yeah, Mike knew Eddie Cole and, and, and uh, was it Rod Anastasia? Uh, I'm not sure, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, okay. I think yep. Rod was actually uh, – Eddie Cole, obviously, the owner, but I think, yeah. I'm sure it was Rod was the um, – like managed the whole yep, yep. answer thing and all that. And So anyway, he got me hooked up with them and Shelly Helmets and, yeah. Okay. So that, that's where all that came from. And right, right. Once again, I was really fortunate to have people help me and, and get me the things they got me, you know. So, what, how much did you yeah. make that first year from Cowie? Do you remember what your contract was? Fifteen grand. <laughs> That's so crazy, right? Fifteen grand. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, fifteen, fifteen grand. Yeah, it's probably, it's, it's probably make more working at McDonald's. I know, right? I, I, you know, well, well, <laughs> speaking about Tishner and Ferry and all those guys, it was just—I mean, it was a little bit later than you, but it was a straight thirty grand for those guys forever. If you were a one twenty-five yep. rider, you got thirty grand a year. That was it. Yep. yep. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, when you look at your results, uh, well, I guess let's go into let's so uh, Broom Tioga. 1986. It's a complete mutter. I read about it yep. in Cycle News, and uh, you won the overall that day. Uh, what do you remember from that? I think you went three one. Six, six one. I went. Oh, six one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, now the first mutter was dry. Yeah. Um, and then in between, um, started raining, and I just <laughs> I thought this is fantastic because coming from Michigan or the East Coast, we we rode in a lot of mud over yeah. the years. We've done a lot of ice racing, you know, all that sort of stuff. So yep. slippery surfaces were you know right up right up my alley so yeah it was yeah it started raining i just thought this is great and um just kind of went on to win that race and it turned out that i got the overall for the day so yeah it was pretty pretty, pretty exciting yeah really right <laughs> pretty pretty happy with that <laughs> pretty, I mean, pretty awesome yeah thanks for listening to the fly racing racer x podcast with eddie warren flyracing.com for all your uh, needs out there whether it's uh, head to toe jet ski stuff snowmobile stuff motocross stuff gear aftermarket parts and accessories man they got it all firepower things over there flyracing.com for more information on that please check them out also i want to thank maxis maxis.com renthal renthal.com you know their name as well and racetech uh pulp 20 is the code to save get your motor work done get some suspension work done eddie warren probably raced against a lot of guys running racetech way back in the day that's how long they've been around performing top-notch work pulp 20 is the code to save with racetech.com and uh, thanks for those guys for coming on board as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Really digging this podcast. Let's get right back to Eddie Warren. Well, yep. but, but here's the thing. So, yeah, you know, kind of talks about in Cycle News, uh, you know, Eddie Warren from Michigan uses his mud skills, blah, blah, blah. The next week, the series goes to, uh, to, to Millville, and you get second in the second moto, third overall. And, yep. and then and that was dry or whatever. Uh, and then yep. the next week is Hollister in California, and you win the overall. Um so, like, to me, like, you started getting confidence. To me, well, you said the bike, the bike, too. You, you guys dialed the bike in a little bit. The, bi- the bike was coming on. Uh, and when you win something like that, it, the, the confidence, like, I just went from one level to the next over, over you know, in the course of about a half an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, yeah, the one out at Hollister Hills or whatever, that, that was really unexpected. I never expected to win there on the hard pack stuff against the West yeah. Coast guys. But um, from memory, I think I won it actually really easy that day. I don't think anyone was even close to me. It was yeah. just all the stars aligned, as they say, on that day. And yeah, it was just a, a golden day. Yeah. yeah, one of those days that, like, you know, as a young kid, 
you know, like everybody, you're jumping in into these pro go- into the deep end of the pro class, yep. but you know, you just need that spark, that confidence, everything else. Yep. Yep. Um, That's exactly what happened. And, and and you finished seventh overall, one twenty five motocross with with uh, two yep. wins. Like that's 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 nothing, but that's great. You got six the year before. So to me, yep. you're like you're on track, you're on pace here. Um, things are looking good to me, anyways, as as an outside observer. You know, as far as yep. your career, um, eighty seven. You're uh, you're back at Cowie. Bike's a little better, I think, in eighty seven, right? If I remember from the production bike. Yeah, they they were a little better. Although I wouldn't say they were great. Yeah. Um, change of mechanics again. Um, oh, who'd you uh, have? I had Rick, Rick Ash. Oh. Um, Tom went. Tom went to um, Wardy. Yep. And um, Rick Rick come to work with me, and um, uh, like Rick's great guy as well. All that sort of stuff. But it was once again, it was another learning curve. Something I didn't really need. Right. Right. Um, it, same thing. It just. I, you know, I don't like to make excuses, but it was just it was hard work. It just yep. it gone from you kind of get comfortable with with one person and they kind of know what you like, and then you mm-hmm. go to the next guy and it just starts all over again. And it 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 was a very very slow start. And something else that happened during the winter between '86 and '87, um, and no one ever knew about this. I never told anyone mm-hmm. um, till now. But uh, I had a, had a girlfriend, and she had a, an exchange student living in the Rara. Anyway, this exchange student want, she wanted to drive a car, so so I said, "All right, you can drive." Yep. So we're we're going somewhere, and anyway, I was sitting in the back. We weren't going very fast. I was sitting in the back, and the girlfriend was sitting in the front. And next thing I know, this thing was just just tank slapping this car, oh. and we rolled it, and wow. I busted busted my shoulder big time. Oh, like okay. This. Um. I, I never went and got an X-ray. I, I don't know yeah. I broke it, but anyway, right. it, it was it was bad. It, I couldn't move it for for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I basically started the '87 season like that, and everyone would know it was wrong. And, and you, know, you, and you thinking you, about it now, I probably should have been more honest about what yeah, happened. Yeah, did you ever tell um, Turner? Did you tell Turner or no? No, nah, I never did. told. No, nah, he never had any idea. He never knew. And <laughs> once again, like I said, I uh, looking back now, I should have just been honest about it and yeah. told him what was going on because it might have helped help me i don't know yeah um, or they, but they or, basically just looked at i wasn't doing my part and yeah. and all that and I, that's probably what in in the end and i never really got going that year um and in the end they just said you're not good enough and see you later so wow yeah uh, anyway i talked to ash about you one time because ash was around the races forever ash pipe was really really great guy and he yep. said you were really quiet he told me you were really quiet it was it was hard to know what was going on with you because you didn't talk a whole lot <laughs> That's what he no. remembered, anyways. Yeah, and, and I was. I, yeah, yeah. you know, I didn't. I, I'd done a lot of thinking, and maybe too much thinking. I maybe I should have talked more. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, who knows? Yeah, yeah, right, all, exactly, right. It's yeah. all ancient history, and yeah. Um, but like I said, I don't know. You know, would I do it different? Probably not. Everyone says they would, but would they? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, <laughs> it's easy to say. Eighty-seven Daytona. Ricky Ryan won in the mud. Of course, I believe. Weren't you up there early? Do you remember? I don't remember. I'm yeah. trying to remember what I got there. I'm, I'm at, you got I seventh. Think I still got a you got seventh. Fourth or fifth that day? Uh, seventh. Did I? Yep, seventh. Seventh was but, it? Oh, okay. But yeah. I remember reading the cycle news. Bowen was really good. Bowen was going to win, but he got a rock stuck in his counter shaft. Of course, Ricky Ryan won, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and you were up there. I think early on, and uh, people were thinking like, "Oh boy, this could be a win for you." Yeah, maybe uh, it's time. <laughs> uh, what do you remember about getting third in New Jersey in '87, 250 Supercross? Once again, I just one of those nights where everything kind of clicked and got, you know, just things were coming together. I guess, and yep. um, 
yeah, I, I felt really good that night. And, yeah, Larry Myers asked me afterwards, he said, man, he said, he said that was fantastic. He said, you know, what happened? And I said, oh, I said, I don't know. I said, just everything come together. And he said, oh, it's awesome to see. He said, I hope it keeps happening. But yeah. it was all a bit too too little too late, I think. So. Uh, were you, uh, would you ever feel like on a 250, like when you practice with Wardy uh, or Dogger, like were you on their level during the week? Were they better than you? And you were, you were, you were getting your confidence hit a little bit. Do you remember kind of learning from those guys or watching them a little bit? I, I, I think I was, I think I was on pace with most people most of the time, but I, I suffered really bad with arm pump. Did you? Yeah. I always did, always uh-huh. had. Um, and I know a lot of it's nerves, you know, and as an amateur, well, you know, when you have your confidence, the nerves kind of, you know, go away a little bit. So it, it doesn't, it's not so aggravated, but as a professional, I suffered big time with it and it was just constant. Um, yep. and when I went to Japan, I finally had, I had an operation done to try and help it. Um, oh, would they take the, the sheaths around your muscles or that's whatever? That's right. I yeah, called, yeah. A, called a fasciotomy. Yeah. And um, so I had that done, and it helped. It, it wasn't 100% cure, but it definitely right. helped. Um, Interesting. It, it, made, it made a difference, there was no doubt. But that was one of my biggest problems. I just suffered from arm pump all the time. And, um, and once again, like when, with the mud, but it's amazing how quick – it can change though. Like the mud, I, I was comfortable out there, so you know I went on to win that race, and then my confidence was up. And then you go into the next weekend, you're feeling confident, so the nerves go away and the arm pump goes away, and you know all of a sudden you're getting results. Yeah. But it doesn't take much to turn it around. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. But it's it's still so you go back to Broome, you get another third, you get ninth overall in motocross, which you know was a little bit worse, but seventh in 250 Supercross. Like yep. again, like. I mean, that's more than decent to me. There's literally eight, there's 10 riders that are making a living racing motocross at this factory riders back then. And you're number seven. Like I, I, I don't yeah. know why Cowie dropped you. I remember as a kid thinking like, damn, like he got seventh and he got on a podium, but they dropped you. It was. Yeah. I, I, I don't know either, Steve, except I guess they just expected more out of me. Right. Um, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was the third person on the team, and I was definitely third. Yep. And that's, you know, I that's... guess they looked at Jeff uh, Matasevich coming through, and right. they probably thought he had more potential. They probably didn't know it at the time, but um, yeah, so it was that just, could be uh, it. It was time right. to time to bring. Yeah, obviously Ronnie and Ronnie and Jeff were they proven themselves. They, you know, they had the the, the really good results. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's just it's just a vicious. It's just a yeah. vicious game. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I, when you look at your results, I mean, you know, again, you f- you finished in the top ten in every series that you fin- that you were meant to be in. You know, like you were moonlighting in 250 yeah. Supercross in 86. So, you you know, and you you did a few 85, 250 Supercrosses. But every time you f- started a series, you finished in the top ten. And that's how doggy dog it was back then. Like, you would be making yeah. so much more money now in 2020, Eddie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> But people that don't have never been involved, they don't understand what it's like to go from, you know, as a, a top amateur and, you know, winning everything yeah. to going into the professionals. Mate, it, it's like you've gone to a different universe. It is just <laughs> you, you go from, you know, maybe one or two guys that are fast to going where there's 40 guys that are fast. And, you know, and they're just they're hungry. And it, it's just a it's just a bloodbath every time you go out there. And it's mate, it's yeah. yeah. It, it's daunting, yeah. to say the least. <laughs> Did you? What'd you have for '88 in the U.S. for offers? You had to have had some offers. 
No, I had nothing. Oh, stop! I didn't, it. I didn't Come approach on. anyone. I, really? I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even go there. I just thought, well, that's it. I, I had my shot, and I, I didn't make it. I, whether, whether it's a combination of me not doing enough, and yeah, I didn't really know, and I don't know. I was just disappointed and depressed, and so you uh, were basically ready to quit. Yeah, 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 I was ready just, just to hang it up and go and go and find a job. So, so what? Kind of. When does Lease call you to go down under? Like how? When was well, that? Well, that happened in '87. At, at the end of '87, okay. um, I went. I come to over there. He, he invited me down, and I'd done the race for him in Perth for his for his dad. And then while I was there, uh, another promoter rang me up and said, "Oh, do you want to stay on for another week or so and uh-huh. go to another Supercross?" Which I did. And then another promoter rang me up. Oh, do you want to stay on? <laughs> so I ended up doing three races down there in the end. Yeah. Which was which was great. I loved it. I got to see a bit of Australia and yeah. you know travel around a little bit while I was here. And then. Um, uh, was but it then I, I had commitments to go back to English Town. Oh, in New Jersey. yeah, that's right. So, Cowie had to do that. Yeah, um, I, I could have stayed there. There was they were quite happy to keep uh, supplying me a bike and racing and all that. And but I said no, no. I said I've I've got to get back for for English Town, and um, which which I did. You're like, you're like I got yeah. one more race for these guys before they fire me. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much. I, yeah. I knew it was coming. Right. I hadn't been told yet. Oh, you hadn't um, been told. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, nah, I hadn't yeah. been told. Anyway. Uh, once it was all over there at English Town, Roy Roy sat down. Roy Turner sat down, and he said, "You know, you're not going to get a ride next year." And I said, "Oh, I pretty much assumed that." And I said, "Anyway, so that life was was gone." He at said, English Town, like at the race? Yeah, at the race. Yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah. that's harsh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the, the race was over at least. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. um, and uh, okay, so, so anyway, I just said, "Oh, well, that's that's life, mate." I said, "What?" He said, "What?" There's nothing else to say. I said, "Well, what do you want me to say?" <laughs> you know, I said, I, "I don't know, Roy." I said. I said it didn't work out, I guess, you know, and, yeah. and that was kind of the end. Oh, wow. Um, so then, and then at, when you're going to Australia before the English town, are you doing supercrosses or motocrosses? In in Australia? Yeah, yeah, in Australia. Like, are you doing indoor uh, supercross? Oh, supercross stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they were, the the one for Leesky was a, a big indoor. Yep. And then the other ones were at, like, showgrounds. Sure, so yeah. So they were yeah, outdoors. Yeah. Um, good tracks, though, from my memory. They were yeah, what, pretty awesome, yeah. Leesk was in America at this point, so was he down there racing Yamahas, or what was he doing? I don't remember. Was he, uh, was he'd he... come back and raced uh, that, that race that I was in oh, okay. um, it, for his dad. Yep. Um, and I think from there he went to Europe the next year, I'm pretty sure. No, 88, he was in uh, America, and then he left. Did he go to States? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, it might have been 89 left. then. Yep. Yeah. 89, yeah, okay. he left. Um, uh, but so, he only did the one in Perth, and yep. then I, he didn't go to any of the other rounds that I went to while I was there. Uh, and I think he was. So what? So somebody says, "Hey, do you want to race '88 in Australia, 1988?" Um, kinda. I, I come home and I got a few phone calls, uh-huh. and uh, a guy over in the western side of Australia is watching over, and uh, his brother was racing Dale Britton, and. Um, he said, why don't you come over and live here and race for a while? We'll get you some bikes, and you can mm-hmm. have a bit of fun and, and all that. And I thought, oh, yes. I thought yeah. I kind of had a bit of time to think. And, you know, I thought, well, I'm not sure I'm ready to hang my boots up just yet. Right. You know, I don't, right. don't know where I'm going to go with this. But so yeah, I said, yeah, Kim, I'll, I'll come and spend a few months there. So I did that. And same thing, one thing led to another. Some promoters got in touch with me because they knew I was living over there. And yeah. I'd come back to do a few races. And and I started talking to some people and they asked me if I wanted to come over for 89 and do a season and I thought yeah why not I kind of had the bug back again and mm-hmm. um so I'd done that and 
89 and 90, 91, I was here in Australia. Is that a, and then, so you're racing Dak? Are you racing Dak and um, who well, else? Dak was in, he was in Europe too, was he? Okay. at the time. He come back in 91, I think, in race, but he was kind of right at the end of his thing. Okay. Um, he, was, he was still riding for uh, Marble Yamaha at the time. And um, but that was his last year, and then he okay. went on to be the team, yeah. start his own team, and all that. Um, and then in '91 there was a Pan Pacific Supercross series, okay, um, which which I competed in. And it, during that time we went to Japan, yep. And um, it was probably one of the best Supercrosses I had. We went to Osaka. I think, I'm pretty sure it was Osaka. And like all the American dudes, I think I got fifth on the night there. Actually. Oh, really? Um, oh, wow! Yeah, so it wasn't yeah. a, it wasn't wasn't too bad. Actually, everybody's I was like pretty happy with the result. Everybody's like Eddie, where have you been? <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> yeah. So, in, in the meantime, um, the, the some of the Jap, Japanese guys that I worked with over the years at Kawasaki were there, and mm-hmm. they were kind of playing with the idea of getting a, an American guy to come to Japan and do some testing and racing, and and that's how that all happened. And I ended up in Japan in '92. 93 oh, okay. and 94, so, yeah. Um, so you're, how old are you then at 92, 93? How old are you? Like, are you? Uh, 20, what was I, 20, 26 and 7, I okay, guess. Okay, yeah, like so you're still still yeah. young enough to be really still good. Still young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm um, still pretty young, yeah. And that's, and that's, yeah. that's Tishner? Is Tishner over there then? No. No. Uh, Ronnie, Ronnie came in 93. Okay. So oh. 92, I was there on my own. I was yep. the only American guy there. Then Ronnie came in 92, and then 93, you, and I think he stayed, he rode 94 there as well. So he done, did, I think he done three years there as well. Now, whenever I talk, I, whenever I talk to, sorry to interrupt you, I keep having all these no, questions. No, you're right. No, uh, no, that's fine. Whenever I talk to Tishner or Chicken about going over there, all they could talk about is how much money they made, Eddie. How, how much <laughs> money they made. Did you, did you cash in also? I did. Yeah. That, okay. that was, that was, that was my, that was my golden ticket in the end. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, they paid I, I well. made very little money in the states, but right. when I went to Japan, I, I made a lot. Of, I, I say a lot of money. You know, I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't get rich in retire type money, but right. it set me up, Steve. It yeah. really did. So yeah, yeah. those yep. guys like chicken. Uh, you don't know half the time if chicken's being serious or not because he's just chicken. But, but yeah, he. I mean, he money he told me he made was crazy. Kyle Lewis too. Kyle Lewis was there for a little bit. You know, so. Um, what, they, they were like, if you won when I uh, when I was there, if you won both motors on the weekend, it was it was like a twenty five thousand dollar weekend. Wow! Holy shit! You know, with with bonuses <laughs> yeah, and yeah. even the prize money there was good. I think it was about four or five thousand dollars just prize money yeah. if you won both motors. Um, and then all the sponsors, you know, mm-hmm. and that's one good thing about the Japanese. Like for example, with Kawasaki, I had to use NG, NGK plugs. I had no choice. Right. Like that's what. That's what they wanted to use. But NGK still paid me sign-up money and bonuses, all that. Yeah, they didn't yeah. probably have to yeah, because I had no choice in the matter. Right, right. Um, but they, they're, they're still very um, honorable, you know what I mean? Right, um, right, right. Same with Dunlop tires, uh, the chains, DID. We, you know, we basically right. had to use DID. That's what Kawasaki wanted. But they still paid you money, you know, and you don't find that a lot of places. No. Did you? I'm, I'm sure in the states, if if Kawasaki wanted to use NGK plugs, and that's what you oh, were yeah. stuck with. NGK wouldn't come to the party. So no, hell no. Yeah. They're paying the team, and then that's it. That's that's, that's, that's right. It. Yeah. Um, did yeah. you did you did you beat Ronnie? Did you guys have epic battles every weekend? How was that? Well, yeah, we had some we had some good battles. Did yeah. you? Yeah. And I think in the end, he beat me by about four points oh, for shit. the championship. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, he was fast, no doubt about it. I don't know if he's any faster than me or I was faster right. than him, but it just come down to starts in the end and that sort of he, stuff. And he, uh, he just he done better in the end than I did. So he was yeah. probably so pissed at your mud riding skills too in Japan. He's like, ah, <laughs> all this mud. He's Florida guy, right? Maybe. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Did you, uh, actually, I'll tell you. I'll tell you some other stuff that that yeah. you'd be interested in and people would be interested in. In '92, I I rode a, a, a handmade steel framed, real thin tube walled uh, KX250. Wow, man, it it was the best handling bike I'd ever ridden in my life. Really, it was yeah. just not people that have never had that opportunity to to compare that sort of stuff don't understand. So for '93, they they everyone was going down the the alloy frame. Thing. Yeah, and Kawasaki was one of them, and they wanted to use it anyway. Before the season started, we a couple of months before the season, we were over and we went down south to test and all that. And we had we had the old bike there, the '92 model, just the way yeah, the way we finished it. it. Yep. And then we had the new aluminium framed one with all the same suspension that the other one had, all the same setup, but uh, obviously a, a new chassis. Yeah. So my first impressions of it were. It was just the biggest piece of garbage that I'd ever swung a leg over. Yeah. I, I thought I'd be better off on a you know a DT175 <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, so we were down there for a couple of weeks and, and it didn't get much better. Um, I could go out and ride. I could go out and ride a tank of fuel out of the steel framed one without even hardly breaking a sweat. Yeah. And the alloy one, I'd probably get about 15, 20 minutes in, and I was that sore. I had to, I had to stop my wow. shoulders and yeah. and my back, and just everything just ached. This thing was so stiff. Yeah. And my lap times are slower. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the steel frame one was so soft and flexy that you felt every ripple in the track. It it bit into everything. Right. And the alloy frame, it just bounced and skipped, and just like I said, it was just a piece of crap. And and. You know what? It it never got a lot better the yeah. whole year. And they wouldn't let you go um, to the steel frame because they want to nah, test. They want to test. They want. It. They right, wanted right, to pr- promote right. the alloy frame thing. And I said to them, I said, I don't want to ride it. And they said, Well, <laughs> you don't have a choice. You can't go back. Um, you, you know, it's this crazy. Is, this is the road it's... we're going down. And I said, Well, I said it's a piece of shit. Yeah. And they said, Well, you can tell us that, but don't tell anyone else. Right. So, right. Um, this is anyway. That, this was, is that was another four another years. Problem. Four years before Honda came out with a production aluminum frame. You know, uh, four years later. So it, you were riding pretty trick stuff. Um, oh yeah, mate. Yeah. I, like the the stuff. You know, and they talk about air forks and all that. Well, yeah. we were we were using them then. Yeah. So yeah. Um, a long time before they obviously ever hit the the market. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I worked at Yamaha, and in '05 they went to aluminum frame. 04 was steel, 05 was aluminum, and they told us, the Japanese guys told us, listen, the, 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 the flex characteristics, the, 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 the geometry, everything is exactly the same as steel. Uh, don't sweat. The bike's going to handle the same, blah, blah, blah. It never did. It did. Yeah, it never no, did. Don't. All the riders are like, this thing is not as good. And and the Japanese are like, no, no, no. It's the exact thickness. It, it, it tor- it's the torsion's yeah. the same, everything. They're like, no, it's not the same. Never. No. So it cannot have the same character as steel. It just can't. Yeah. Not, right. Exactly. Like right. It, you know. I'm not an engineer, but yeah. Um, no, but I, I can tell you from the seat of my pants that it's not the same. So you know. Um. Uh, so you were commuting like a lot of those guys, like Tishner and Lewis and Chicken. They they would go back and forth to California or wherever they're from. Were you commuting back and forth from Australia this whole time, or would you ever settled in Japan? 
the, the first year, 92, I flew pretty much back and forth every second weekend. Okay. So I made about, I don't know, probably 20 trips, yep. I guess, between testing and racing and all that. But it wasn't bad because there's only an hour difference time-wise, and it was about an eight-hour flight. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> I'd get on a flight at 9 o'clock at night, um, kind of sleep basically most of the night, arrive there kind of in the morning. Yeah. Um, so it was actually really good. And then 93 and 94, I actually went there to live most of the time. Oh, you did, I huh? kind of, yeah. I was kind of sick of flying. So I got an apartment. Well, Kawasaki got me an apartment and all that. And it was all right. Yeah. A little bit boring at times. But, yeah, they gave me a van to drive so I could go on um, yeah. uh, riding and things like that. And we've done a lot of testing as well. So, right. Um, yeah, it kept me busy. Yeah. And did, did you yeah. do any supercrosses at all? Any off-season supercrosses around this time? Did you dip into no. Bercy or anything like no. that? No, nothing like that. No, 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 nothing like that. Just yeah, you, concentrated on that. So you were you were, uh, you were k- crushing it financially. So you're like, screw it, I don't need to go to Europe for whatever, right? So, well, yeah, and you know, like I said, I've made a commitment to them. So I kind of thought, of, you know, and I hadn't done any supercross for a while, so right. I, I wasn't. Uh, I, I was kind of losing my my balls a little bit, I suppose. I I you come back and you'd, there's some supercross tracks around that you'd ride at and all that, and they started to feel less and less comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I always said that that was the time I knew that I probably shouldn't be out there. Like, there used to be a point where you wanted to be the first one out there to jump everything before everyone else did. Then you go from a point going, oh, I hope they don't jump that. <laughs> oh, I hope they don't jump that, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of supercross was kind of, yeah, on the back burn. I didn't really want to yeah. do that. I was pretty comfortable with the motocross and, um, yeah, I wanted um, to try and give it as much as I could. So, yeah. Do you, uh, do you, uh, do you stop racing in Japan, or do they tell you that you're stop? You're, you, they're going in a different direction for you. How does that work? How does well, it end? once again, I probably would have done another year, but I think they they saw me on the decline, possibly, and yep. I probably was. I think Ronnie, especially the '93. Uh, I, I said I think Ronnie and I were we were neck and neck. Yep, there wasn't much in us. I think '94. I, I was probably starting to to lose a bit of pace, to mm-hmm. be quite honest. And I think they've seen that. Yep. Even though I would have loved to have done another season, um, they had, I, once again, old Jeff Matasevich. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess <laughs> coming, that's true. Coming right? through, yeah, yeah. Uh, annoying me again. So <laughs> um, so they uh, so they got him over there. and But but they did, um, they, they paid me to come back here and race in Australia and supply bikes and a few trick bits for 95. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Which was cool. I just said, oh, I said, well, can I get one more year out of race and I'd just like to finish it on? They said, oh, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll pay you some money and give you bikes and a few trick bits and shit, which they did. And yep. that was cool. And I was pretty happy with that. So, yeah. So yeah. 95, you race, you race the Australia series. And, That's and right. Do you yep. win it? No, I don't think I did in the end. I got yep. hurt about halfway through. I, I won the first four or five races. Yep. Um, and then we went to we went to the West Coast um, for a big race called Manjimup. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, Dis Nations. Well, Dis Nations was there, right, that one year? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a pretty big event. It used to be. I don't know what it is anymore. But um, So we're going over there. Anyway, I, um, it was after the event. We had another race there and i smashed myself big time in practicing <laughs> during the week and i never come good after that i i, I don't, once again i don't know if i broke my ankle but it was i couldn't walk on it and yeah it was just down downhill for a while and i really never come back really? yeah. so i don't know what i got maybe third right. something right. there that year so are you and that was kind of it are you running into a young chad reed or burn michael burn or any of these guys back then do you remember nah, no chad, okay. chad was still only maybe 15 or something yeah, at the time. Yeah. 
I think he was still on an 80, maybe just come through to a 125. Right, right, right. I knew him. I knew Chad. No, yeah. But, no, that's what I meant. Not so much race against him, but did you know who he was and all that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely knew who he was. Oh, he, okay. Yeah, he was definitely fast. Oh, mate. He was, <laughs> him and, um, well, him and Gobert. Yeah, Go- Anthony yeah, that's right. Gobert. Yeah, well, Anthony, sure. Gobert, um, same thing. He only kind of raced up. He didn't spend much time doing Supercross here. Even though he's quite fast, he was he was yeah. starting to dabble in the well. They called it the Prodi class over here, the production one, uh, the 250 production road race class. Okay, and he was just cleaning everyone up in that big time in his first year, and he just went from there to the super bikes and and yeah. just kept going, you know, and, and, and yeah. And so. you remember like a young Chad being pretty quick, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely had talent, no <laughs> doubt. Like, and, 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 and obviously, as you, the, yeah. the rest is history. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. Well, for sure, if if you had still been racing, he probably would have stuffed the shit out of you, and then and then just take, he would have because that's yeah, his attitude, right? Like he was always yeah, would just bloody roosted me and yeah said see you later. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, so that the Japanese thing though, but set you up for a nice you know sort of post racing life, like a little bit, right? Give you a little bit of a, yeah. It, it, yeah. I said uh, it got me a house and a bit of money in the bank, and right, that sort of right. stuff, and just so. Uh, people, a lot of things most people don't have till a lot later in life. You yeah, know? And yeah. From there, um, from there, I got a job on the railway, and that that went for That's, for I said about ten years. That yeah. was a cool job, believe it or not. People might think, what a yeah what a weird job that I, is. Yeah, but, I don't I have no idea. It was it cool. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was very interesting. It's fairly. Um, it's a fairly sophisticated system and quite technical when you get into it and all that. So, so that that was fun. I was just a what they call a fettler. So uh-huh. we'd go out and re, re, uh, re-rail and weld the rails together, and we'd build switches and yeah. install them and things like that. And um, that was that was, you, that was a fun fun time. So, you know what's yeah. uh, you know what's funny about your career, Eddie, is so you know you have a not, to me you you have good results in America, and and you know you're standing on a podium, you're winning races, incredible feats. When you look back at racers who've who've never been able to do that, but I'm sure at the end of eighty eighty seven, you're super bitter. You're angry. You're just like this didn't work out. Like you know, I've wasted my life. Blah blah blah. I got no money. Blah blah blah. And then next thing you know, you know like smash cut your your race in Japan, Australia, and then now, you know, in 1994, 95, you finally sort of have the ending to your career that you know you probably should have had in America. You know what I mean? It just yeah. you just took yep. a different way of doing it, but you that's end a, up that's a good assessment. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I I struggled, mate. I had I struggled for a long time there. It, it wasn't I wasn't all smiles for a long time, but yeah. things, uh, you know. And I think I found some maturity as well along the way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I had the maturity when I was on in '86 and '87. I'm yeah. not sure that was there, but I. And, and probably some of that come because, yeah, it, it didn't work out the way I did, and I, I probably, you know, grew yeah. up a lot, yeah. you know, and um, I, I worked I worked very, very, very hard when we went to, to Japan and things like that. And, yeah. Um, and as you said, it all worked out, and I guess, yeah, I can sit back now and, and say that yeah, I'm pretty happy with the outcome, so. Yeah, one of my questions I like to ask a lot of people on these podcasts is, what would you change? And um, get, you're not changing anything, like you said, right? <laughs> You know? Well, I, would, I wouldn't change things. Not not just. Uh, and so I said I've had this question before, and, and yeah. I had to sit and think for a while. But not just because of the racing either, but because of where I am with uh, with the other side of racing, with my married life and my kids and all that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't change it because of that. Because it turned out really good. My kids, I said, are fantastic. They never got into trouble. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to say they were ever 
perfect. None of us are. You know, they, yeah. they all they all had their little bits and pieces. But I said, in the end, mate, they've all they've all come through this thing without getting into the drugs and yeah. you know getting into trouble. And so you know what, I wouldn't go and change it because you know what, I might not like the other outcome. So yeah, I'm yeah I'm yeah. very happy with with where it all turned up. Probably at times I wasn't, yeah. obviously, but in the end I am. So I wonder, yeah. too, like you had so much success as an amateur. I mean, when I, when I was a kid, but when I talk to people, you know, the fastest riders they've ever seen at Loretta's or the fastest amateur kids or whatever, your name is in that, you know what I mean, for that time. Um, and then you win your first ever Supercross. You win the Supercross championship the first year. You're probably like, ah, oh, this is... I got this. This isn't that hard, <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe. Who yeah. knows, right? You're a kid, right? That's but right. You had a lot of success for a long time before, like you said, you sink or swim. Here you go. That's right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, it, and it's like that. And it, 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 it beats you up, you know? And and some people get through it. You look at a guy like Ricky Carmichael, he would have went through the same thing. Yeah. It would have been no different for him. And yep. he just, like I said, he obviously had a lot more maturity than I had, and he handled it better, and look where it got him. And yeah. I just didn't quite have that, so... You know, it, it's just the way it is, and um, I had to deal with it, and yeah. it, 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 it took time to, to work it all out. And yeah. Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast with the great Eddie Warren. I cannot believe I finally found you, and we're doing this. It's amazing. Uh, sponsored by uh, Renthal and Maxis, <laughs> of course, all on board with us. I'll let you go here, Eddie, in a little second. A few questions for you. Uh, the favorite race ever, either any continent, any uh, Japan, Australia, America. What what's the f- race or two that you look back on real fondly? Uh, I guess it'd have to be Hollister Hills. Yeah. Not, not that I even kind of really remember it all. It's all a bit blurry, but you know that was probably one of my biz- biggest successes. It was, I said, it was one of those days that I, yep. a guy from the East Coast probably shouldn't have won on you know hard pack blue groove yeah. clay track and. It was just an awesome day day for me. Yeah, yep. Where's the Where's the trophy? Don't have it, do you? <laughs> it's back in my dad's barn yeah, with everything. Yeah. The right. um, actually the the broom the broom trophy was a um a guy on a motorcycle carved out of timber, but with oh. a, a dude with a chainsaw. Okay. He, uh, I think David Bailey he won that day. He's got one as well, and uh, that's still back in the barn as well. Okay, so, well, that's yeah, pretty cool. They're all there. Uh, you ever want any? Ever want any of them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I gotta go figure it out. Uh, favorite, favorite Michigan track, and then favorite national track. Wow. Okay. Um, favorite Michigan track. Are you gonna say Baja Acres because I've heard stories well, about you there? No, nah, Baja Acres probably wasn't the most technical track in the world. Um, there was a track that most people wouldn't even know about, and not what I should mention. It was a place called Rolling Hills. It was not far from Baja Acres, but uh-huh. it was just laid out in some farmland, and it was. It actually was probably one of the first tracks that had like an uphill double, just a natural, yep. nat- natural uphill double and big downhills, and it was a really cool track. Like it was awesome. It, only, it was only open for about four or five years before it got shut down, but it was probably one of the most natural. Bit like, bit like maybe Broome, I okay. suppose. Yeah, in yeah. some ways, that was a cool track. Uh, and then probably the, my then probably my national track would be probably Broome. Yeah, God, I really Eddie, like that place. That every rider cool. I ever worked for, from Nick Way to Tim Ferry to Sean Kalos, they all hated Broome. <laughs> oh, really? Nobody yeah. liked Broome. The rocks and the shale and everything. Nobody liked it. Yeah, uh, I like all that natural. Yeah, you know, we had a few of those tracks here in Australia. Um, and yeah, I just love those sorts of real natural. Mm-hmm. But once again, it sorts the guys out from the from yeah. the rest, you know. And yeah. right, 
Um, yeah, you're coming over, the, coming over the hill from the backside to the front side at Broome, and you come down and you sweep down that hill. That's pretty cool, yeah. all that, you know, and you go back yeah, up and everything. Awesome. It gets rough and ruddy. Yeah, and it does. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I like that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, man, uh, I was going to ask you your favorite bike, but that, that, the, uh, that Cowie. That, that, there's no question about the, the 92, yes, yes. what do they call They used to call it uh, SR KX. SR, yeah. yeah. The, the SR, I think, Special Racer, I think, is what it stood for. Yeah. Uh, that thing was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was fast, and it was it handled. It was just, right. like I said, I was very fortunate to, have, to be able to experience all that stuff. Yeah, yeah that, that is pretty cool, for sure. You know, back then, nobody was seeing that stuff, right? It was pretty trick, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Eddie, thank you for reaching out to me, and thank you for agreeing to do this. Uh, you've been on my list of guys that I'm just like, <laughs> I, I need to talk to Eddie Warren. I have so many questions. Like like I said, like as a kid, I'm like, dude, this guy won nationals. He was top 10. He podiumed the 250 Supercross, and he's just gone, just gone. And I remember Motocross Action putting you in the in 88 or whatever saying – Nobody knows where Eddie Warren is. Like they were like, like they just made a photo of a in, in a comment, you know. And you know, it was just yeah, one of those guys that I've always wanted to talk to. So I'm stoked, man. Well, I'm glad I'm glad this all worked out and we got in touch with each other. And yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I appreciate you having me on the show, and I hope it's answered a few questions that that you and maybe others have had. And yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you're still around. You're still alive. It sounds like you're doing good. It's all, it's yeah, all good. I, so. I'm, I'm, I'm still around. I'm, yeah, and I, like I said I still ride a bike once in a while. And, right, um, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy. Yeah. Uh, well, yep. thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Good luck with everything going forward, and uh, and stay safe. By the way, in this crazy time we're in right now, man. There's no races uh, going on right now, and I am just sitting here wondering what's going on over here. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a long battle. Um, yep. But yeah, I think everyone will get through it like we always do. And um, yep. but no, I really appreciate you having me on the show. I really do. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Eddie. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as the Bad Boy. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and... You know, off we go, and, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just 
thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The Dogger, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go on.